Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to see you. Uh, how are you feeling? Can I tell you how I'm feeling? I'm going to. Man, I feel incredibly grateful right now. I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude toward God. I mean, how privileged to be a pastor and to be able to walk up here and teach the Bible following that worship team. Huh? Man, I, I'm so moved by what they did. I could literally go home and say that I had my socks blessed off me today. And some of you are thinking, boy, I hope he lets us go. I, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I walked out on my porch this morning. I could hear a light rain falling. I felt a gentle breeze against my face. And I said, thank you, God. You tamed a fierce storm for those of us who live in Oconee County. And you know that's what he did. And we need to thank him for that. But in the same breath, I found myself praying for my neighbors in other parts of this state, and especially in the neighboring state of North Carolina, who woke up this morning to some of the biggest problems, biggest challenges they've ever faced in their lives. They need us. They need us on our knees praying to God that his help to them would be miraculous. And I know they've been in your prayers, and we've got to make sure that they stay in our prayers because it's going to take some God-sized help uh, to repair the damage that this storm has done. I want to tell you a story this morning that's found in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 23. Uh, the central figure of the story is David. And at this point in his life, he is a fugitive. He's running from Saul, king of Israel. And I think most of you know why. God was replacing Saul with David. And Saul knew that, and he was determined not to allow that to happen. He, if he had to, he was certainly willing to and was trying to kill David, if that's what it took to keep David off the throne and keep himself on the throne. David had been running for a long time. And uh, over this course of time, 600 men and their families have joined David. And they've allowed David to become their commander. So David is now the commander of a small army. They're hiding in the Judean forest. And David received word that the Philistines, the bitter enemies of the Israelites, had invaded the Judean town of Keilah, and that these Philistines were robbing them of all their grain. So David prayed, and he asked God, should I go fight them? And God said, quickly and very clearly, yes, you should. So David went to his 600 men. He told them what was going on and said, this is what, I got a word from the Lord. We're going to go. We're going to 
engage them in battle. And you know what his 600 men said? No. No, no. We're not going to do that. David, we're sitting here hiding in the forest already scared to death. I guess, you know, afraid of Saul and the army of Israel. And now you're saying you want us to go jump on the entire Philistine army. Not going to happen. So David prayed again. And he said, God, you sure? Because I went to the men and told them, and they're not willing to do this. And God said, yes, go fight them. And I'm going to make you a promise. I'll help you. It won't just be you and the 600 men or the 600 men and you. I will help you guys. And he, he furthered the promise of saying, and you will conquer the Philistine army. So apparently David goes back. He gives them this new information. And David and his 600 men, they obey God. And they go down and they battle the entire Philistine army. And God kept his promise. And these 600 men and David routed the Philistines. Now, I did not use the word the Bible uses because it's kind of graphic, but I'm going to. Why? What about that? I'm not going to hold back. This is what the Bible said. David and his 600 men slaughtered the Philistines. And they saved the citizens of Keilah. Now, word got to Saul what had happened. And you know how he responded? He was excited. You know what he thought? Brian, he thought that God had set a trap for David just for Saul. And that David was now hemmed in and Kalilah easily now. Apprehended by Saul. You see, Kalilah was a fortified city surrounded by walls. And Saul had this idea well, I'll take my entire army up there. We will besiege the city. And I'm going to give the inhabitants of the city an alternative. You can either turn David over to me and I'll kill him, or I'll kill all of you to get to David. And then I'll kill him. Word got to David that this was about to go down. So David prayed. And he had two questions of God. He said, uh, question one is this. Is Saul really coming? Question two, will these people betray me? God said, Saul's coming. He's coming. There must have been a pause. There must have been some silence on the part of God. And David said, will these people betray me and God said yes they're going to betray you that had to sting he just saved these people he just saved these people and now he finds out they're going to betray him so David did the only thing he really could do he got his 600 men together they packed their things and they left Keilah and the Bible said that when they left they kind of wandered aimlessly through the wilderness you know what I think? This is hodgeology. You got it? Hodgeology. I think David was completely disoriented by what had just happened. I think in his mind, he had hoped that Keala would be a place where he and his men could settle in for a while and, and rest and recover and regroup because, after all, it was a fortified city and these people were indebted to him. Maybe they'll give us a measure of protection and 
wow, what a disappointment it turned out to be. And you know, disappointments sometimes hit us so hard, they disorient us. David and his men eventually settled in a wilderness outside of town called Ziph. (laughs) Ziph. (laughs) You know what he thought? He thought, well, if Keala didn't work, I I think this is going to work out for us. Matter of fact, the word escape was even used. You know what I think he's thinking? Well, we, we escaped Keala in a certain trap, but, but you know, we, we made it and we, we got here to the wilderness. And, and I think this is going to be a place where we find a little refuge where we can rest, recover, and regroup. Word gets to David. Saul has put together his entire army. He's launched a massive search party. He knows the general vicinity you're in. And he's coming. And he's going to kill you. Now, you want to add insult to injury? You want to make a bad situation worse? Uh, some of the leadership of Ziph went in search of Saul. They knew he was coming and they found him and they betrayed David. They said, We know where he's at. And if you'll come with us, we're going to hand him over to you. And Saul first. You know, praised him. Oh, I'm so grateful that finally somebody's concerned about little old me. Poor old me. But uh, your uh, directions were too vague for me to act on. I want you to go back. And I want you to find out specifically where he's at in those hills. I want to know every one of his potential hiding places. You know, I think it would be good if I knew a potential escape routes. I want to know every possible goat path he could take. You go back and you map all that out. You get all that detailed information from me. You come back to me and I'm coming with you. And I'll track him down if I have to go into every hiding place in Judah. David then left the wilderness of Ziph and he pushed into the wilderness of Maon. You know what he's thinking? I'm going to shake this dude. I'm I'm shaking this dude. Saul followed him into the wilderness of Maon. So the Bible said David went deeper into the wilderness until he came to the, the great rock. Saul and his men followed him all the way to the great rock. The Bible said that uh, there came a day where on this mountain, David and his men were on one side of the mountain, Saul and his entire army on the other side of the mountain, and they were closing in on David. I mean, just tightening the noose. And Saul gets a phone call. (laughs) And somebody there there and said, Saul got bad news. Glad you took the call. There's something you need to know. The Philistines have invaded Israel. If you and the boys don't get back here, they're going to overtake our entire country. You know, if Saul was a cussing man, I believe he let some words fly right there. Do what? He only had one choice. Pull off of this. Pull off of David and the guys. Let them go. We've got to go back and fight for our country. The Bible says that that day the great rock was given a new name. And it became known as the Rock of Escape. Now, why have I told you that story? There's a couple of things I wanted you to see. Uh, First of all, I want you to see that David made it. 
David escaped. You say, what do you mean by that, made it? Do you mean that he escaped permanently from Saul? That this was this nightmare was over, no more chase, no more pursuit. No. There came a day when Saul was back on his trail, hounding him like a beagle right behind a rabbit. Here's what I mean. David had desperately looking for a window of time when he and the men could rest, recover, and regroup. And they got that. Saul and his men were gone long enough for David and his men to have a little reprieve and get ready for what was going to be next. David made it. I want you to know how he made it. You know, Saul said to the, to the leaders of Ziph, the guy is so elusive, he's so evasive. And this is what he said. He said, David is so crafty, it's like putting your finger on a peeled grape. I just can't corner the guy. How in the world did David make it? With the help of God and a good friend, David made it. Look at a verse with me. It's 1 Samuel 23. It's the last sentence in verse 14. We're going to find out how David made it. Uh, uh, The Bible said, Saul hunted him, speaking of David, day after day after day after relentless day, but... God didn't let Saul find him. David made it because God helped him. God was faithful to provide David with guidance. In other words, God knew things that David didn't know and couldn't have known. And when David needed to know them, God would let him in on things. In other words, God would tip David off and say, you need to be aware of this, you need to know that, here it is. God was helping him. God fought for David when he faced enemies that he couldn't possibly defeat. God said, I'll tell you what I do. I'll promise you this. I'll fight with you. I'll fight for you. God would protect David. Now, let me think about this. You know, when Saul and his men are closing in on David at this great rock, who made the phone call and said, you got bigger problems than this, you better get home? What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. You think it's a coincidence? I think it was an act of providence. You know what that means? God did something without calling a lot of attention to himself. God helped David. And that's how he made it. But listen, it was with the help of God, but it was also with the help of a good friend. When David gets to Ziph, you know, it's just been one disappointment after another. And now he learns that Saul's not going to let up. He's coming. I'll tell you what I think began to happen to David. And I think I've got some biblical support here. I think he started getting discouraged. I think he's thinking, what's the use? He's not going to let up. He's going to catch me. Why keep running? I think he's starting to experience a lapse of faith. God had made him a promise. You'll one day be king. I think he's starting to doubt that. I think he's starting to experience some fear. That the worst case scenario is going to play out here. He's going to kill me long before I ever become king. I think that's what he was going through. Fortunately, old David had a good friend named Jonathan. And we've talked about him in previous sermons in this series. 
Jonathan knew what David was going through. And I believe he put two and two together and thought, I bet you David is struggling because of all that's going on in his world. He might need some encouragement. So I want you to look what happened. Oh, Jonathan packed a few things together and set out risking his own life to find David. Look what happened when he found him. 1 Samuel 23, verse 16, in the first portion of verse 17. Look what, look what happened. Jonathan went to David and, big word, you see it, encouraged him. To stay strong in his big word, faith in God. Don't be, another big word, afraid, Jonathan. Big word, reassured him. Look what he said. My father will never find you. You're going to be the king of Israel. You're getting what Jonathan said to him? You're going to make it. I don't care who's after you. I don't care who betrays you. David, I know who is on your side. God's on your side. And because he's on your side, you are going to make it. And with the help of God and with the help of a good friend, oh, David picked up and kept going until he made it to the rock of escape. He made it. Now, why? Ronnie, you've pointed these things out. There's one thing you've got to know. There's one thing you've got to do. Here's what you got to know. You're going to make it. You know, so listen to me. You're going to make it. I'm talking to some people in this room. You can really identify with old David. Your life for the past several months, if not more than a year, maybe two years, I don't know. But for quite some time, your life is really kind of a parallel of David's. It's as though one day the enemy, our enemy, the devil, just drew your name out of a hat and said, him or her, they're going to be my target. And I'm going to relentlessly attack them. I'm going in hot pursuit of them. And from that day, he has created one problem after another for you. He has created very complicated situations in your life, very stressful situations. And I'm telling you, just when you think you're pulling away from one of those and you think you're putting some space between you and the devil, you look in the rearview mirror, man, he is right on your heels. If it could go wrong, it's go wrong. It's gone wrong, man. If it could go right, it didn't go right. And you know what you're experiencing? Discouragement. Doubt. And fear. You know what I'm doing here today? I'm delivering a message. A message that God gave me this week and told me to pass on to you. I'm getting to play the role of Jonathan. Because some of you are getting weary in the journey, weary in the battle. And God sent me here today with a very simple message. You're going to make it. You say, how do you know that, Ronnie? Because the same God who was on David's side is on your side. So I don't care if the devil is our enemy. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And if God's your ally, I don't care who your enemy is. You're going to make it. 
God is going to help you. He knows things that you don't know that you're going to need to know. And if you'll seek his counsel, he'll let you know just in time, just when you need to know. He'll fight for you. When you face enemies in battles you couldn't possibly win, he'll step in and fight that battle for you. He will protect you. Just when the devil thinks he's, he's about to sink his hooks into you, I promise you, God will step in between the two of you and not allow him to complete what he wants to do. Listen to me, guys. Now, some of you are not believing me. You're not believing it. You're not believing it. You need to believe it. You're going to make it. You say, what do you mean by that? I I mean this. I mean, somewhere right out in front of you, there is a period of time in your life where things are going to get better. The enemy is going to back off a little bit. And you're going to be able to rest and catch your breath and recover from what you've been going through. And regroup. Now, I'm not telling you the devil's going to leave you alone for the rest of your life. That's not true. But you're about to get a little bit of a reprieve. You're going to get a break in the battle and a chance to get back on your feet again. And the year 2011-2012 at Golden Corner Church was tough, man, tough. And I'm not going to go into all the details. But it was just very taxing. And it was taxing on me. And I would say this. In those years, if it could go right, it didn't. Uh, if there was an obstacle we really needed to be removed, it wasn't. If there was a door we really needed to open, it didn't. If there was a problem we needed a simple solution to, it never showed up. The solution never showed up. If it could get really complicated, it got complicated. If the load could get a little heavier, it got a lot heavier. And if it could go from bad to worse, it went from bad to worse. September that year, I was spent. You say, what do you mean by that? Dead, empty, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I was, I was gone. And old Tim McCall invited me to go on a hunting trip. And I was reluctant. You know why? Man, I got all these problems that need to be solved. All this got to be done. He taught me to go on a hunting trip with me. So in the midst of the sand and the mosquitoes and the heat, I went on that trip with him. And on that trip, I experienced something I hadn't experienced in a long, long time. Felt something. Hadn't felt in a long, long time. You know what it was? I felt blessed. God forgot what it felt like to feel blessed. And it wasn't just the fellowship we, that Tim and I had, and it was great fellowship. And it wasn't just the hunting. We did some good hunting. But when I was sitting in that stand by myself or when I was lying in the bed at night, God would talk to me. And man, he had a ton of encouraging things to say to me. And they were right on time. I have to say the rest of the hunting season was a lot like that. I didn't kill a big deer or a lot of deer. I will tell you this, every time I found myself alone on the stand, God would show up. He would talk to me. And he would encourage me. And I felt so blessed, Mitch. If it could go right, it went right. Huh? If a door needed to open, three would open. 
If an obstacle needed to go down, five would go down. I could do no wrong. It was amazing. It's like blessings were coming like rain. I think I trout fished one day that year, November 1st. On back-to-back cast, I caught two of the biggest wild brown trout I've ever caught in my life. One was 20 and a half inches long, one was 19 and a half inches long. Fisherman's got to give you the details. So, you know, I've got to tell you that. Back-to-back, never caught anything like that in my life. Caught two just like that. I took a picture of the little creek that runs down by the fish hatchery. I entered it in a local contest. <laughs> won it. I could have taken a picture of a rotten stump and won it. I mean, I was on a roll, man. I read about this prestigious photography competition that the Blue Ridge Parkway and Appalachian State University were putting on. And uh, they were taking pictures from all over the southeast. And I sent them that one. And uh, if you won, they were looking for 46 pictures to choose from thousands of entries that they were going to uh, make an art display out of in the art gallery at Appalachian State. And it would be up for, for the entire summer. They were trying to show people how beautiful the mountains of South and North Carolina are. So I sent one in. One day I get out of the truck. I'm getting ready to go in the woods and hunt. I got a phone call. It's a Western North Carolina area code. Hello. Hey, this is so-and-so with App State. I want you to know something. We've chosen your picture to be one of the 46 pictures going to this gallery. He said, you know where it's at right now? No. He said, it's hanging in my office. This is a great picture. You know, we went up and, and toured the gallery and I knew enough to know that about everybody that placed was a pro. They made their living doing this. And there's a picture there from one hillbilly. Me. Everything went right. Everything I touched turned to gold. My only regret is why didn't I buy a lottery ticket? I do not know why I did not buy a lottery ticket. It was as though God plugged me into a charger. And about the end of December, I was at full charge. Guess what happened? Life resumed. The battle resumed. But I was ready. I wasn't staggering anymore. I wasn't empty anymore. I was ready. I made it to the resting spot. I made it to the place of recovery. I made it to the place where I could regroup. And I'm telling you guys, you are headed to that place and you're going to make it. There are better days coming for some of you. It's been dark and it's been tough for a long, long time. But God sent me here to tell you you're going to make it because God is on your side. Is that good? That's better than chewing you out like I did the last four Sundays, isn't it? <laughs> I told you, it's one thing you got to know. That's what you got to know, but there's one thing you got to do. Uh, you're going to encourage someone. You know somebody whose life parallels David's right now. They're being harassed and beaten down by the devil. He's created a mountain of problems for them. He's dragged them deep into the darkness. 
They're struggling to get one foot in front of the other. They're, they're discouraged. They don't know if they can keep doing this. And you know them. I bet you pray for them. They need that. They need something else. They need encouragement. I get to play the role of old Jonathan today and tell you you're going to make it because God is on your side. But here's your homework. You ready for your homework? Everybody's got homework. And you've got to complete part of this assignment before the sun goes down. Is that right? Everybody got me? This is your homework. You've you got a time. Some of it's got to be done before this day ends. You've got to encourage somebody. It's going to mean something coming from you. And I don't care if you shoot them a text or call them up on the phone or send them an email or write them a card or go by and see them or take them to lunch or maybe just grab them by the arm here before they get out here today. And you tell them. You're going to make it. In spite of everything you've been thinking, everything you've been feeling, here's what's going to happen. You're going to make it. Because God's on your side. Who are you going to encourage? I don't tell, I don't know why I did that. Don't say anything. But here's what I want. You need to be thinking of a name right now. You need to be thinking of a face. You need to be thinking of a friend. You need to be thinking of a family. You need to be calling. You need to, you need to pick them and say, that's whom I'm going to encourage. You're going to make it because God is on your side. You're going to encourage someone else. This is what I want, guys. The devil is very active. We're going to get active. We're going to release a barrage of encouragement starting today. You got it? Come on, man. (laughs) Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for being on our side, for everything you do to help us. The big things, the little things, they all matter. They all help. Thank you for the little places along the journey where you let us rest, and you restore us, and you bless us. There are people here, Lord, who need that. They need it. And I pray this, that you'll encourage them today that it's just ahead. Keep going. They're going to make it. Thank you for every friend that ever stepped in in dark times and gave us a word of encouragement. And I pray that this week we'll be that friend to somebody, to a lot of people, several people. And that after this week, a lot of people who have battled discouragement are going to walk away very encouraged. In the name of Christ, we pray this. Amen. You're dismissed.